the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the week four college football betting recap and week five look ahead. I'm stuck in joining me, as always, is Colin Wilson, still potentially in mourning from a hard-fought loss to LSU. Woo, pig suey! At what point did you believe that you thought you were going to win? And how deflating was the end? I knew it was a cover because uh, immediately from the first couple of series, I could tell that mm, I'll just assume that Sam Pittman has trimmed Dan Enos' playbook and said, cut it back. We're going to start going between the tackles. We're going to start having easy throws, low percentage throws. And I mean, we have this talk about who's going to win the SEC West. Boy, for half or about a half, I got pretty excited that maybe it was Arkansas. Before we get into the voicemails here, thanks to everyone who called in. We learned a lot over the weekend because we finally had a, a bunch of marquee games. It was a really, really fun day of football we learned that that ryan day wants to fight the world even though he barely could be 10 men from south bend like i'd like to know where lou holtz is right now what he said about our team i cannot believe this is a tough team right here we're proud to be from ohio and it's always been ohio against the world and it'll continue to be ohio against the world but i'll tell you what i love those kids and we got a tough team we learned that Dabo is still slipping I mean, I know what losing feels like. I got a very clear picture of that. It's much better to win. We learned that Alabama is not indeed dead just yet. Why did you push yourself? We learned that Bo Nick's season is still in full effect at home. Bo Nick's season in full effect. I'll say my bet regret was was definitely it was too twofold. It was Arkansas. The line was just too high. These games always seem to be close no matter what. And then I should have bet Arizona State. The number yep. was too high, and I'm sitting there watching this game. But Arizona State has the ball like down seven late, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I should have known. How do I not? That's that's two weeks in a row, and I usually don't do that. Nevada in the spot against Kansas catching 28. Like It doesn't matter how bad a team looks the week prior. They're usually not that bad. Like I, Me getting scared of that is ridiculous. Uh, best call, probably Oregon. Worst call, eat them up, cats. Sam Houston State. The, the problem is they scored a touchdown, so they don't know how to cover when they score a touchdown. Um, no, but Houston actually came out inspired, so credit to them. It was a lot of fun on Twitter. There's people that were DMing me, there, uh, but I, I shouldn't say this to new followers. There's always new followers on Twitter that are like, "Why are you so? Why do you hate my team? Or why are you going after Colin with what you said?" First of all, we're, we're I'm having fun. That's how I built my following. I'd go to war with Colin. For college football. I brought him on when we first started. He's been my podcast partner for seven years. It is all in good fun back and forth between us. And then anything that I'm I'm saying during the day, like oh, this this guy, this team, that's just in the sweat. So don't take anything personally that you see from me on Twitter on a Saturday. Especially Look, I mean, when it comes to totals. 
I love getting razzed about how much I love playing overs on totals in the 30s. <laughs> By the way, nice call. 10-0 on Penn State, Iowa. Nice call. I saw it was 10 nothing, and I was like, you know what? I got to – this is I, – I just remembered I said I'm going to troll you if it's 10 nothing at the half. Um, yeah, Iowa could give you no help on that total. Zero. I asked for 10 uh, points on the podcast. They didn't give me 10. Nope. Yeah, they – they're bad. The Big Ten, by the way, the depth in the Big Ten, like obviously Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan are all good. You know, you could throw Maryland up there is pretty good too. But the depth as far as the teams at the bottom, I, I don't think it's ever been this bad. Minnesota blows a 21-point lead to Northwestern. Indiana goes to four overtimes with Akron. Akron misses a poor old Akron. They missed a chip shot to beat Indiana. One ref went good. The other ref went no good. It was no good, and Akron lost. But, man, the, the depth of the Big Ten is very poor. How great would this season be for an expanded playoff? Yeah. People are getting people are just tearing my Twitter apart right now because Florida State is not technically in my top eight. I dock them. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to the voicemails. I docked them for the win, you know, against Clemson, and they fell just outside the top eight, but stuck from a power rating perspective. It's like within a touchdown, there's nine, ten teams like Georgia hasn't impressed. They've come down from the clouds. I mean, they're now just, you know, a, a field goal ahead of some of the other guys. I think the one thing that I went to bed with that I woke up with this morning is how comfortable I feel with my Penn State futures, considering Ryan Day is getting so butthurt about Lou Holtz saying that his team is not physical. Your team isn't physical. I don't know why it is you think you have to prove this. Why can't you just be the finesse, throw it down, four verts, C.J. Stroud in the playoff team instead of trying to prove yourself running against Notre Dame and calling out Lou Holtz because it says that you're soft because you are, because you don't win in the trench. Like that just shows me that you prove – it proves that you really are soft in the trench. And how good do I feel about Penn State Futures when I know that that team, from a trench perspective, from a secondary perspective, from a linebacker perspective, is going to punch Ohio State in the face. That's going to be a rough day for Ohio State. Yeah, I, I would agree with that sentiment. And I don't know why Ryan Day is all worried about Lou Holtz the first thing after a game that he was favored in. Mention him afterwards, too. He's only covered one of his past 10 games as a favorite against ranked top 20 teams. Both of those. Co- and by, like, why are you kicking that extra point, by the way? I, mean, I know that some people were happy, but you, you can't. You got you to gotta kneel it and squib it. But I wouldn't expect anything less from him. He... <laughs> <laughs> that, that both of those that was such a poorly coached game on both sides it was incredible the the fourth and short calls from Ohio State were embarrassing Notre Dame runs play action on only 10% of their passing plays even though they ran it all day wait, wait what what were you doing mark Notre Dame has 10 guys on the field for the last two plays what what is this middle school Ten, not just the one play when you're trying to like scramble two plays in a row. They had ten guys on the field. So I, I you can't make it up. Uh, it was an entertaining game, but I mean, it wasn't uh, the highest quality. Maybe McCord can improve. I, like, but this downfield passing is is just not there. And you don't have to be perfect with those receivers. I'm glad, I'm very happy to see that uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. was okay. I, he's arguably, I think, going to be one of the best receivers in the NFL in a couple of years. I think we have to reassess who offensive masterminds are, right? We deemed Ryan Day this great offensive mastermind when we took over for Urban Meyer. Some real problems there, fourth and one. And then you go down to Clemson with Garrett Riley, the, the highest paid acquisition, the offensive booth for any team. That third and two, fourth and one, whatever was going on there at the end of the game, Will Shipley doesn't touch the ball. It is Horrifying. 
Fucking ball. Even the first drive, Dabo dive on third and three. It's fourth and one. Line up. Go for it. Sneak it. But yeah, the I feel really bad. Anyone that like trashes the the kicker for Clemson, what a story it was if he would have made it. But yeah. like you're a top ten team going up against a fellow top ten team playing for your season, and your kicker is a kid that you called earlier in the week. Like that's unacceptable. That's just like that shows some of the things that Cle- that Dabo where Dabo is losing control. You know, isn't hitting the portal. These these kicker issues. The play calling, yeah, that was really bad. Uh, I mean, I would bet Clemson again. I, I just said, I said that they should be a short favorite. They were a dog that went to overtime, even with a defensive touchdown allowed. But yeah, just really poor all around. We still don't know much about Georgia. Georgia k- plays Cupcake State every weekend, so it's hard to really get a gauge on them. You know, Michigan has looked impressive, but they're twenty-four to thirty-five point favorites every week. So still want to see. Those two teams, when they step up in class, and um, yeah, if the Penn State offense can just take the next step and continue to develop the passing attack, they're, I think, up there and as dangerous as anybody. And look, this year's wide open. Like you said, all those teams in the top 8 to 10, how close they are from a power ratings perspective. If, you, if you're in, if you're in it, you just get in, you can win it. Mm-hmm. You want to do best call, your best call, worst call, yeah, uh, I mean- regret? I, I have one big worst call, and I heard about it a lot on Twitter, and that was Rice. Rice led by one point through the first three quarters of the game, and I'm sure there's going to be voicemails on it, so maybe I can review the box, but they completely gave up in the fourth quarter, and South Florida completely piled it on. Uh, best call, Georgia Tech was so easy, I didn't have to complete downloading the CW app and watching the rest of that game. Uh, I'd like to thank the Yellow Jackets for whooping Wake Forest. The Tennessee overdog, I finally hit an overdog off the podcast. Uh, they didn't mess around with UTSA, got it down. And one of my biggest writing pieces this week was Bama Ole Miss first half under, cash some money on that. You know, bet regret, it's definitely not Auburn. Auburn got that touchdown late to avoid, to cover that number of 10. But man, there's just no juice in that Auburn offense whatsoever. Uh, Arkansas, Arizona State with you, bet regret big time. I, I knew those, I told everybody. I think I went over to our, our friends, you know, Nick and Lockie and told them, I was like, you know, I don't know how I give sound gambling advice to say bet Arizona State, but that number is way, way too large. And now I'm stuck in this position where I think my power rating for USC Colorado is way lower than everybody else. I think I'm going to be on Colorado. Oof, that's going to be an interesting <laughs> one. We'll talk about that later in the week. No, A&M scored again at the end. So they, they won by 17. Auburn now plays Georgia. Auburn, three quarterbacks. 23 pass attempts, 56 yards. That was pretty ugly. In fairness to your rice bet, JT Daniels got hurt. And yeah. yep. it looked bad. And then Padgett came in and couldn't do much. But Daniels was 27 of 40 for 432 yards and three touchdowns. And I, I have to dig into it more. But that's – and that's when uh, – let's see. That happened when yeah, he got sacked when Rice was up 21 to 20. So Rice was up and Daniels went out. So in fairness to you, you can't really predict the quarterback injury. And then Padgett came in and really couldn't do much. But Daniels was shredding, shredding USF, which makes the battle performance last week even more bizarre. But uh, let's let's get right into the voicemails. We'll hear you guys yell, take our medicine, and uh, we'll talk. We'll stop and talk about any of the games we want to add. Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However you're feeling. We want to hear from you. You have reached the voicemail box of the Big Bats on Kansas podcast. 
The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Leave a message after the bleep. Ooh, oh, I got a defensive touchdown in the Clemson game. I got a defensive touchdown in the Auburn game. There's a coach on the field. What the is that? And then I'm watching. How many times is Cincinnati going to get into the other fan in the field? I'm doing it. <sighs> What's your emergency? Yes, hello. I'm at 2700 Bearcat Way, Nippert Stadium, Cincinnati, Ohio. There's a individual, male, white, about 50 years old, acting very erratically, answers to the name Scott Satterfield, and he keeps reaching into my pockets and trying to steal all my money! Score a f- touchdown, you f- These games aren't even over here. They're at halftime, and I'm livid. What the f- is Cincinnati doing in the red zone? Simultaneously, I see them f- yank a 20-something-yard field goal at the same time of Texas A&M, f- Jimbo Fisher, not calling a timeout with 50 seconds left, letting them draw the clock down and nail a field goal. This incompetent f- coaching, yet again, I don't understand how these f- guys are college coaches. I could be so much better than them. What the f- are we doing, Cincinnati and A&M? Some of the coaching decisions... Just hire a guy. Hire a stat intern. Like, Fisher, they're at, granted, it didn't mean anything for the game, but it can. These decisions can matter in games. If the other team is at the 38 late and there's 50 seconds left on fourth down and they're going to try a 55-yarder, call a timeout with 40 seconds. They might punt it and not try it. If they do still try it, they might miss, and then you have the ball at midfield with 40 seconds. If you let them run it all the way down, they're basically taking a risk-free field goal. So just hire a guy to, to make those decisions. It's it's pretty simple. Um, but, yeah, Cincinnati was super frustrating, the the amount of points that they left about two weeks in a row. Uh, so it's, it's certainly an issue for them and something that must be noted. They averaged one point per drive inside the 40. One Oof. point. That's like why even score. This is the most frustrating thing I've ever seen. They actually had more explosive runs. Then Oklahoma, they had success and standard downs just fine. They had as many explosive drives, methodicals, and two-plus first-down drives than Oklahoma. They kept up with them as far as yardage, but, man, it was a complete disaster in scoring position. Since he went one of four on fourth down and just yanked a, a chip shot field goal, didn't kick another time, even though they made a long one, it was awful. Syracuse minus 13. We're very f-ing lucky to be even in the game after that atrocious first half. We claw our way back in. Syracuse finds a way to score a touchdown and cover. Then all of a sudden, this stupid D coordinator calls up some sort of defense other than prevent to give up a bomb to a army team. Jim Beheim and his 2-3 defense could be better at the end of the game, then this Syracuse D coordinator, get him the out. Let him bag groceries. Hey, this one's for Ionello. I'm tired of hearing of this Stone Age. SMU, oh my God, this offense is garbage. Preston Stone, less than 100 yards passing in the first half, garbage. The only thing that's in the Stone Age is how Rhett Lashley calls this offense. Oh my God, this team is pathetic. 
I tell you what, Sonny uh, took it took it to his old school there, thirty four seventeen. You know, he said at media days that you know it's a completely different roster. Com- you know, it, I've been removed of it for longer than a year, so it's not that big of a rivalry for us. Still, put the smackdown on him by seventeen. I've said the Stone Age before. The I've been very disappointed in Preston Stone so far this year. We'll see if they can get it together for league play. But that, as of right now, that caller is the leader for the caller of the week. I, ch- I chuckled. I got a good chuckle out of that. But all right, moving on. I have some feedback for you. When you bleep people out, it's hard to understand. And I'm going to talk around it so you don't have to bleep my cuss out. Some of us were on the Oregon team total over at 45.5. Oh Are you cussing? Kidding me? Coach Cussing Prime or whatever he calls himself. Oh, Coach Lanning in the second half after this guy was throwing daggers in his stupid cussing mandatory halftime speech for ABC. We're not satisfied. That's what Coach Lanning said. There's a lot to be impressed by. What impressed you most? Uh, not done yet. We, we're composed. We executed at a really high level, uh, but not done yet. We're not satisfied. I hope all those people that have been watching every week are watching this week. I think they are. Well, guess what? Miguelito from the south side is not cussing satisfied either. Cuss this, mother cusser. Over amazing. 45 and a half. They, they go into the halftime 35-0. 42 nothing with 10 to go in the third. They don't score again. They they, they had third and goal at the eight. Well, they, had first, they had fourth and goal at the five. They went for it, didn't score. Yeah, then they, then they just basically packed it in. So, yeah, I look, Oregon, we, we liked Oregon. They covered people trashing Dion. Like, uh, they were overmatched. They, they, like the fact that people are this invested in Colorado, the fact that they're ranked after we're ranked after three games is a testament for what Dion has done. And the attention that this program has got is only going to help in the recruiting. So I, I don't know that that I don't think that this game was an indictment on Dion at all. Well, By the way, yeah, I, I feel for you. Uh, you're you're also in the running. Maybe we'll have two calls a week. That was an amazing call. Well, what I want to say is I saw a lot of media talking heads. <laughs> Make comments out there that oh, what Dion's been able to do three and zero turn the program around. Not quite, not quite yet a top ten team. The talent's almost there for them to be top ten. Stop, stop with your narratives on Colorado because right now, per a power rating, they'd be an underdog to Rutgers in a bowl. Okay, they're not that close. They're 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 just as good as Rutgers. Okay, they just happen to have Dion Sanders as coach. Yeah. And Travis Hunter is amazing, but he wouldn't have made a difference in that game. I saw a couple people say that. That I mean, right. he's one. He's one player. He's worth a couple points at most. I'm not calling because <laughs> I had a bad beat. Only right, he's on. the people's Heisman. This man is single-handedly destroying Colorado, and it is f- awesome. Sitting here in Alabama, watching the finishing touches of this game, and I'm just thinking about all those f- sharks. Ole Miss plus seven. Ole Miss plus seven and a half. Hell, Ole Miss money line underdog. The dynasty f- dead. Nick Saban's too old. Kiffin's way smarter than him. Well, f- them. The SEC West still runs through Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I do, Alabama fans still getting their, their jabs in uh, while they can. Ugly game. Very ugly game. Ole Miss couldn't do anything in the second half. Neither team could run the ball at all. I mean, it was it, it was just ugly. I, I got to credit the Alabama defense for stepping up. Milrow made enough plays. Bama like just you know kind of controlled that game in, in that 
They made it just ground and pound and their defense stepped up. And I think that has to be the formula for them. Yep. You know, Milrow avoid mistakes. Do you want to run the ball, you know, 35, 40 times and utilize Miller's legs in the passing game? Take your take your couple deep shots and uh, rely on your defense uh, because the defense did a hell of a job and showed that it's, it's definitely still top five unit. Yeah, definitely. I think that was the plan from Nick Saban is to muddy it up, make it as dirty and grinding as a rushing game as possible. Both teams almost had nearly half their rushing attempts stuffed. Uh, if you combine the two defenses, there were 19 tackles for loss for almost 100 yards. Complete <laughs> defensive game. The unders came in easily. The first half under came in easily. Uh, it's just it was a style that Alabama enforced on Mississippi, and Ole Miss was just not prepared to play a ground game that hard. Still, Quinshawn Judkins only 56 yards on 13 carries. There's just no explosiveness like what he had last year. Yeah. I mean, I think Bama, what did Bama, Bama only averaged like under three yards per carry, right? So it wasn't like it was, let me yeah, see. Yeah, 3.9. 2.9. Well, if you remove, yeah, if you if you remove sacks, it's under four. Right. Um, the... Yeah, so they weren't that efficient, but they were just committed to it because there's still some issues on that offensive line. But that's how they have to play. Like this is Alabama has to play like the old Saban teams, the old Saban Alabama teams, where before like you know he spread it out and they got really good quarterbacks and receivers. This is more like your grinded out, hard nosed, defensive minded Alabama team, and they're certainly not done yet. But man, I mean, like they're 13th in the country. Right, I mean they're going to move up a bit, but this is, just speaks to like this would be a perfect perfect year for a twelve team playoff. Anyway, moving on. Rice, what the f- happened with Rice? South Florida just all of a sudden explosive plays all over the place, domination, eighty yard passes out of nowhere. Rice QB of course gets hurt. F- all of us Rice backers. Did I? F- Miss something on the pod is Rice's secondary has to be the worst unit on the planet. I'm holding back tears here. I threw a unit on him pregame, unit on him live. Every time this guy airs it out for 30 yards, there's not even a Rice defender in the frame. Did some of the Bama receivers transfer after the game? I mean, this is ridiculous. Sweating on an over between LSU and Arkansas just makes for a really bad Saturday, especially when you have to rely on KJ. Jefferson to get you there. This man is just a fat blob of nothing. So unathletic. It's literally like Mo Vaughn is under center, and I'm just begging for this guy to make a play. Also, dog, I don't even know where this kid came from. Baylor, Sawyer Robertson. He literally, that name makes me think he's a Quaker from like Bumble, Pennsylvania, churning butter every Sunday. I don't know where the this guy came from. He's absolutely terrible. Dave Aranda is an absolute coach. I have the over in that game too. God knows if it's going to hit. Texas just blowing the doors off. Yeah, Dave Aranda needs to go and bag my groceries. This man sucks. Baylor. Everyone's bagging groceries today. Look, here's something to uh, advice that I'll give the, to new betters, to recreational new new betters is, you know, you'll have your bets on a Saturday, and I I remember I used to do this, and I can still find myself doing, it, but I have a sheet of the games that I played, and then the games that I almost played. Then I can go back and look and see what the the record of those was. Because what happens is you can go, you'll like go back 
and you'll look at a card and you'll say, oh, I would have bet that the winner, right? Oh, I would have bet that. And then the losers, that even though you would have bet them, you tell yourself, ah, yeah, but I was kind of, I wouldn't have bet it, right? And then you convince yourself that you should have went six and one in the bets that you didn't make, but really it was probably six and six. And you just, so write them down ahead of time so you don't introduce those biases. Otherwise, you end up betting way too many games. You can go on tilt. You you're, you convince yourself you should have been six and one in the seven you didn't bet. Avoid those biases. Just write them down. Like before your day starts, you have all your bets in, and then you have your you know your ten other games that you like, but you decide to pass on. Write them down. Yep. And then track them. Um, it also gives you an idea of okay, should you be betting more? It's more data to determine if you have an edge, and then you can actually get a real feel just from an emotional bias perspective that okay you know i saved some money or i should have been six and six because most people will convince themselves that the decisions they didn't make would would have cost them money if that makes sense well i 100 echo all of that as a person that does all the box scores and does all the power ratings as the games are closing i can't tell you how many times the game actually lands on the number that we had power rated and so i mean that's always the side that i'm leaning on and, and at the end of the day i mean i mentioned bet regret we have a segment where we do a couple of teams but usually it's about 15 teams by the end of the day where i just ignored my number because you have this idea of this team and it's completely different by the end of the day yeah bail yeah bail or mess absolute mess that's that's a spot where one point per trip past the 40 yard line they were terrible uh, getting getting in scoring position yeah couldn't run the ball at all either um one of five on fourth down so the, the the score the final score was a bit misleading but texas came out in a professional manner and took care of business. And again, that could have been a tricky spot on the road at Baylor, a team that was one and two. This is, you know, most likely their Super Bowl, and Texas comes out and takes care of business. So uh, I thought that was a really impressive win. The Texas defense is real, and uh, it was another good game from from yours and that offense. But that that Texas defense and that front is a problem. Number of fifteen yard passes by the Texas offense, ten. That is insane. I mean, they went crazy in this game. They, uh, it was just a complete domination all up and down the box score here. So uh, even the thirty six percent of their drives being explosive, you're only supposed to have one explosive drive on the day. So they had they had multiple. Yeah, the look, you, you have all these shiny toys on the outside, but Jatavian Sanders, their tight end, he's amazing. He's a he's a player. He's gonna yeah. be good at the next level. I go into your podcast on Friday thinking UNC minus seven half to pit is my biggest bet of the season. How is that spread so low? I walk out of your podcast because you sold me on Pit Plus 7.5. Dude, what are you thinking? It's 35-17 to 17 in the third quarter? Oh, my God. We're fading Drake May, the second pick in the draft, with a quarterback who can't complete a forward pass. Nice going. Nice call, buddy. You're really good at what you do, man. You're so sharp. Nice going. I think my worst beat of the day has to go this New Mexico, UMass, under. After 10 minutes left in the fourth, we're in the number. It's looking great. New Mexico punts it. We're, we're looking fantastic here. 35 seconds left. The UMass quarterback bombs a 65-yarder to hit the over. And after the first half slate today, I'm just devastated. I'm numb. I'm trying to drink away the pain. There's not enough alcohol in the house. It's been a long day, and there's still a 10 o'clock slate where I have to watch Cal plus 20 and a half, where they're going to lose by 30 to Washington. So I'm just having a great night. Amazing. I was sweating hopping in on Cal live at like 38. I was like, oh my God, this was a bad decision. 
it was one of those days where, for me, where every team I bet against had a million defensive touch, special teams touch. Not that it happens, but I think I went seven and six on the weekend and then lost my round robin, so was down about a unit. Yeah, Pitt was a bad call. I tweeted that out. It was just a bad call. Congrats to anyone who bet, bet UNC. New Mexico over. Yeah, that was brutal. But it wasn't as bad as the Indiana, Indiana-Akron. That was, if you had that under, that was brutal. And I think maybe the worst beat, depends on the price you have. What was Wyoming? What do they close at? Uh, I Somebody that had over 43 and a half, that, wasn't, that was pretty tough. Uh, all right. Open three. Really? Just three? I thought I got up to four at one point. Nope, there's Wyoming no. minus three. Well, if you had App State plus three, App State was up 19 to seven after a pick six. And then Wyoming had a 80-yard touchdown run. Then App State missed a field goal. Then uh, App State had a field goal blocked, I think. Yeah, they had a field goal blocked, returned for a touchdown. First in Wyoming school history. And then Wyoming got the two to go up three. Brutal if you had App State. All right, uh, moving on. Sam Houston State three weeks in a row. I knew the block was too hot on Sam Houston this week. Houston's a course. Well, guess what? That Houston course put up 538 yards of offense and then 38 points. What are we doing here? Too hot. That sucked. Hey, guys. It's Nash. I just want to make the PSA announcement that Club Lit is back, baby. What a time out in Florida, out in Gainesville. The chomp was nothing for club wit. What a time. Let's go. Just want to make sure that people don't forget about the most important thing in college football, and that is club wit. That was a great spot for Charlotte. They actually stuffed stuffed 12 of 33 runs for Florida above national average. Uh, I can't say anything about the offense. No explosive drives, no methodicals, uh, looking a little shady in standard downs, 2.3 yards per play. But, hey, covered. Great spot. We will always have the 7-3 Sam Houston lead. Long-time listener, first-time caller, and I'm calling live from Williams-Brice Stadium where Colin Wilson has lost yet another bet on the Gamecocks. You, Colin, plus six on Mississippi State. Yeah, I bet oh my god you know sucky at least you're pretty dead on with most of your bets on the cox i'll i'll give you my love love you suck you Colin. yeah so i think i'm banned from mississippi state. You. and you are yeah, banned well, from i'm mississippi banned state from mississippi, mississippi state i i if you need a, a a team to lose by a half point or an absolutely atrocious bad beat i'll see you guys on saturday who's miss state got next home against alabama <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk about that later in the week. Nebraska, I swear to God, if you guys make me bet on Iowa ever again, I know you guys probably stayed clear of this one, but I had them in a teaser over 21 and a half. They couldn't score a point. A point. Are you I'm never betting on this team again. McNamara looked like he was lost the whole time. Their offense is terrible. Brian Ferentz will hopefully get fired. Stock, just put them in the trash. Put them in the trash and burn it, because that's where they belong. We're getting yelled at for giving future betting advice, on potentially on Iowa. Uh, I think that was what that was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was a West Division play in the preseason stuff, but I mean, there we also did not tell everybody to fade Penn State, nor will we ever, so... 
And, and by the way, I played Iowa uh, last week, and they covered as a favorite. But I won't again. By the way, Iowa, 17 carries, 20 <laughs> yards. Passing, 6 of 16, 56 yards. 14. They finished with yeah, 76 total yards of offense. <laughs> 14, 14 running plays, 10 were stuffed. Zero methodical. One uh, 15-yard pass. And... <laughs> They had five. They had, Kate McNair had five completions, and they had four turnovers. Wow. <laughs> this is one of the. If you want to laugh, pull up this Iowa Penn State box score. One for um, nine on third downs. This has to be the worst offensive performance by a top twenty-five team in the history of college football. Brian Ferris, I wonder his his scoring average took a took a hit this weekend. Yeah, they're gonna have to pile on somebody. Uh, that would have to be. Michigan State at home, and then Purdue, Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota, Michigan State. Or Purdue's D is pretty pretty damn bad. Colin, Iowa offense. I think they had seventy eight yards of offense, and they punted for three hundred and seventy seven yards. Oh my gosh! Look, if I was in my twenties, <laughs> I could maybe handle this. I'm in my mid forties, and this really hurts. I. Don't know where to begin, but hey, I pivoted. I am watching UNLV UTEP, and my life has to be better than this. What happened? I mean, oh, that was rough. That was, oh, by the way, it was only on ESPN Plus, and UTEP might have had the ugliest jersey combo I've ever seen. The yes. orange and digicam. Oh my God, it hurt. We, yeah, that bad call by Maya. We, I could, we could have got our Moneyline Dogs parlay in for a second straight week. If UTEP uh, didn't get home, and uh, it was just a bad play. Uh, credit to UNLV. My, we're never going to hear from Minor Nation guy again. If they, they're never going to cover. I'm, I'm assuming he didn't call it. Maybe he did. I haven't. We haven't listened to these yet. Um, but all right, moving on. And you know what? No, Doug Brumfeld. UNLV. Yeah, no Brumfeld. Yeah. Didn't matter. That kid can sling it around the door. I think UTEP closed as a favorite in that game. Colin. And over with Iowa on the field against that competent <laughs> defense? Stuck told you this would be 10 nothing at half. I look at the game at halftime, it's 10 nothing Penn State. Call of the year, Stuck, even if you didn't have a dollar on it. I say this with all due respect, Colin. Shut up, you dork, and stop betting Iowa overs. Love you guys. That stupid <laughs> paid <laughs> club. <laughs> he is so bad. Fumble the ball, stupid score, other way. There goes a 14-point swing. And then, what the f*** are you doing in overtime? RPO and you run a bubble screen. you, Kate Klubnik. I'm done. Kate Klubnik just choked on Dabble Sweeney's ego. Duck and Colin, long-time listener, tail all your plays. Only tail I could not play was Clemson. I can't believe you guys thought that Clemson and Dabo could beat Jordan Travis and Norvell. Wow, what a win. You guys thought that Dabo and Clemson after that Duke loss and they beat up on FAU and Southern Christian of the Poor, and you guys thought that that was the reason to take Clemson? Unbelievable. Dabo and Clemson with maybe the most hilarious loss I've ever seen. I got to give him credit, though. Before the game, he said this will be the, either be the best story ever or the worst thing ever. He didn't lie. That was the worst thing I have ever seen. 
from the kicker missing the 29-yarder to the debacle in overtime across the board. Epic collapse. Dabo, we give you credit. I can't believe what I just saw. Ducky, why the f*** did you put your hard-earned money on Clemson? Clemson, of all people. Uh, I had some terrible bets on Saturday. That was not one of them. Clemson should have won the game. Uh, They went to overtime because they missed a 29-yard field goal to win the game. They they gave up a defensive touchdown. And they still had a chance to kick a 29-yard field goal. And it's not like I said Clemson's going to roll. I said they should be a slight favorite. So I'm going to take them at plus money. And I had a dog at plus money that had a 29-yard kick to win it and then was in overtime. Uh, I like Sam Houston State, I bet. They got destroyed. That was a horrendous call. We went over our worst calls. I would I would bet Clemson 100 out of 100 times again. As a matter of fact, I made Clemson about a one-and-a-half-point favorite after watching all this and consuming Clemson 430, outgained them by 130 yards. Clemson absolutely shut down their running game completely. And, I mean, when you go and look at it other places, Florida State only had one methodical drive. They I, There was definitely areas where Clemson just absolutely dominated, and they're the ones that shot themselves in the foot with the Cade Klubnik catastrophic turnover. There was a 14-point swing. You're missing a kick. And then I don't even know what that offensive play calling was to end the game. How does Will Shipley not touch the ball? I don't know. But this is just like Tulane and Ole Miss, a – Certain sequence of events had to happen to lose that money. Like the most unbelievable percentage chance of that field goal kicker lining up to kick and win that thing at the end of the fourth quarter. All these things that had to happen for Clemson to lose that game. They all happened. Yeah, I mean, look, to to give up a defensive touchdown, usually that's lights in a game like that. But they still, if they make a 29-yard field goal, they win. Uh, And then they went to overtime where it's a coin flip and you have the dog. So I'm going to break HIPAA violation here real quick and just share that I actually conducted a castration on Garrett Riley earlier this year. So, yeah, his nuts are completely gone. And that was just part of the deal going over to Clemson is that everyone thought Dabo made this splash higher. But, nope, it's the same old Dabo offense. And it's going to be the same going forward. And that's why the dynasty is done. Let's add to it. The Gamecocks get a win tonight. What a beautiful, beautiful night in Columbia, South Carolina. Also, Zach Arnett should let Will Rogers throw the ball 70 times a game still because he's still a dude. I'm not calling about no bad beat. I'm calling the rant on those Notre Dame. You won the game, I thought. Nope. Marcus Freeman didn't even have 10 guys on the field. Notre Dame, you're still irrelevant. I want every Notre Dame fan to hear this voicemail. You are not relevant. You will never be relevant. You're not in a conference, Notre Dame. Stucky, you're a freaking moron. You bet Ohio State last year in the college football playoff against Georgia. You knew they are a good team. And yet tonight you tweet, Kyle McCord stinks. Ryan Day is a freaking moron. Come on, you know Notre Dame is not even close to on that level. Yeah, those those things I, I are true, and uh, Ohio State didn't cover, so I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yes, Quinn, yes. Awesome. When I was out, they pulled me back in. It's Martin from South Bend right now. I'm walking back from the game. <laughs> We never quit. <laughs> Your analysis is out of half it. Probably right. Doesn't matter, though. Look, 
the biggest compliment I get when I meet someone that listens to our podcast is this show because we take our medicine and let people rip us for the bad pizza out because we're sweating them with you and it's cathartic and it's therapeutic. So call in, yell at us, yell at me. I don't care. It's it's great for the show and for some of the bets that I give out, I deserve it. Like Sam Houston State. No, I can't preach eat 'em up cats anymore, which is a little disappointing. But what are you going to do? Uh, we had a, a good run for two weeks and then a bad for one. We'll have to find our next Sam Houston. All right, that'll be the recap. We have a lot of work to do to for week five. We'll have the new BCS live 10.30 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday. That'll be on YouTube. Be out in podcast form right here where you're listening. We will also have the group of five guys. We'll see if Mike Ionel, who's SMU guy next week. Uh, by the way, oh, callers of the week for prizes. And but make sure you leave five star review. I'll, I'll do giveaways later this week for reviews. For today, I'll do two callers of the week. The guy who was cussing without cussing, <laughs> amazing, and uh, the guy who was shitting on Ionella for his Stone Age takes because that made me chuckle. SMU hosts Charlotte next week, so we'll see if Ionella is uh, rolling with the Stone Age against Club Lit. But reach out to me or our producer, Matt Mitchell. We'll send you some gear. Appreciate everyone calling in. Now I'm going to throw it to Colin, who later today will do a quick segment on some look-ahead lines. Thanks, Dougie. Before we get into lines next week, I want to ask our listeners a quick question. Fellas, are you running into some stubble trouble? Are you dreaming of that clean-shaven look but hate going through the hassle of a wet shave every other day? I know you are. That's why we've partnered with Manscaped. The brand for below the waist is coming to save that beautiful face. Yes, sir. Manscaped now has beard products and is going a step further with the launch of their brand new Handyman Electric Face Shaver. It's designed to give your face that smooth and chiseled finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Make sure to join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Head over to manscaped.com and use BBOC for 20% off and free shipping. And for dudes with a little more scruff like me, Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit has everything you need to tame your mane. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code BBOC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BBOC. Hit the refresh button with the handyman. Okay, for the week five look ahead lines, the first one that I hit obviously was USC in Colorado. Number was 26 out there, but I was able to get to. This is a number that I project way less, less than three touchdowns, and I expect this number to keep floating that way. Colorado just has a superior strength of schedule, strength of record over USC to this point. I expect Shadura Sanders to get some, create some, some of his own space and have some big, uh, some big plays. And USC tackling is pretty down. It ranks about as low as Colorado. But keep in mind, USC has played the 130th strength of schedule. So when they have bad tackling metrics, it came against worse teams. I would buy it still at 24. I see 23s in the market as I'm recording this. I would still take it at 21 and a half. That's about where I'd stop buying. Next after that, I bought some Cal at about 10 and a half. So many differences between Cal and Arizona State. And yes, I am aware that Ben Finley came out of the game against Washington. But Sam Jackson is fine in his relief. We'll see who's going to play here. Uh, Finley earned the start over Jackson. I mean, I really have no fear going against Arizona State. I think there's a lot a better resume here for Cal. Arizona State is 121st in offense when it comes to quality drives, so they're not getting down the field methodically. So go ahead and take Cal here. I expect that number to get up around 13 and a half. It's about the last time I would buy it. 
Oregon was another one I got on open 24 and a half. That sits at 26. As I talk about it here, it's a number that I projected 29. I would still buy this at 26. I'd buy it up to 27 and a half. I expect it to flirt with 28 and possibly get above 28. There's really nothing in the advanced numbers. Of course, Oregon's numbers are a machine. Stanford, you know, still in their infancy in the Troy Taylor days, but I do expect this to keep continue to rise. I wouldn't be surprised if this got up to 30 also, but it is going to cross that 28. So if you want to get down on some Oregon and then look at it at the end of the week to see if you want to stay with that or not, you can, but that's where I'm going with Oregon. Some early week play, Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky. I just hit the under on that. Uh, I believe that number is above the biggest key in all of college football totals, which is 55. It's a number I project uh, just about 48, which is another key number. But keep in mind that there is going to be heavy thunderstorms, 50% chance rolling through Bowling Green, Kentucky on Thursday. And I expect that to affect two teams that pass the ball a lot. So looking at the under there, Western Kentucky early in the week. Same thing going on with Louisville and NC State. Raleigh's going to have about a 50% chance of storms. PM thunder showers for this one. A number that I actually project around 59. So I don't think there's a lot of value in the current board. So I did play it for a lot less. Keep your eyes up on uh, for Friday night, Utah, Oregon State. Absolutely just a slobber knocker. The Utah defense, best in the Pac-12 as far as the front seven is concerned. And they are one of the few defenses that can actually tame the Oregon State rushing offense. There is bad weather headed towards Corvallis. It is Oregon. It is officially late September, so there's going to be a lot of rain. So I do like the under here uh, on Utah and Oregon State on Friday night. So a couple of others to wrap up the segment. There are some that I have my eyes on. I just haven't really fired yet. Uh, that number with Georgia is up to 17 right now. It's a number that I power rate Auburn plus 12. SP plus has it at 14 and a half. It's just going to be a number that's just going to rise and rise and rise. And at some point, you're going to have to be tempted to take Auburn. Another another one on the board, I have Illinois favored slightly by a point over Purdue, but Purdue opened up as a favorite too, I believe. No love here for Illinois and their offense, but Illinois has the tougher strength of record, the tougher strength of schedule. And there's also a really big advantage for Illinois and special teams. So I have my eyes on this to see which way it's going to go because I disagree with Purdue being the favorite here. All right, thanks, Colin. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Thanks to our audio and video producers on the back end. Thanks to our sponsor, BetMGM. Now, as I said before, make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Leave a five-star review. They really help us out. If you've already done it, grab someone else's phone, your mom's, your brother's, your sister's, your friends. It doesn't matter. Five-star review. You can say whatever you want. Yell at me about Sam Houston State. Yell at Colin about Iowa Overs. But they have five stars. They really help us out. And we'll do giveaways. Just do a bunch of giveaways to people that do leave a five-star review. So we appreciate that. It's time for us to go find some winners for week five. Another fun weekend in the books. We'll see you later this week. Cheers. Peace out. out. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.